We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. It's going to be your Tuesday, June 27th episode. We are pushing through June. As I reference on every show, we've almost found our way through the worst football month of the year where everybody is taking a break across the football universe, except for the OBR Film Breakdown, who is here for you once again. And we're joined by Jared Mueller. Jared's been a minute. Haven't had a chance to catch up. What's up, buddy? How's life? No, you're busy. You got a lot of tasks going on yourself right now. <laughs> you know, just trying to trying to do as much as I can in this crappy football month so that, you know, when when training camp hits in West Virginia, um, I'm, I'm not putting in a new lock or building a new loft in my garage or, you know, any of those kind of projects. Those need to be done. I got less than a month to do that. Well, I would imagine this is the month, the singular month where all of the coaches' wives actually leave out honey-do lists and stuff like that and expect them to get done. It is the unified college football and professional football month of, of, of just stay away from it, it feels like, one of the few uh, the few months in the football I wonder, calendar. Yeah, I wonder if the coaches love it. Like, I am putting together this bookshelf, and it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't matter. I can achieve it. There is absolutely going to be a win here. Like, I just wonder if coaches are like, hallelujah for a month or a few weeks of that. It could be. Could be. I mean, the monotony of it, or they just go stir crazy, which is also possible, right? You know, where they, they're just like, I can't handle this. I need to get back in the coach's office. It's open-ended. Could Could go... Could go either way on that. I would I would like to actually talk to a wife of a coach, an NFL coach sometime, and just ask them, like, what is it like? <laughs> like, genuinely, what is it like? Do you get much help at all? Is <laughs> is there any time of the year where you feel like it's 50-50? Like, I just would be right. curious of that. I'd be really curious of it. So, uh, yeah, you know, in in interesting, um, just random thoughts in our head there. But um, there's been a couple things out uh, that, that I think – are worth talking about here from, I don't, we don't love to do aggregation stuff from other people, but the, when they bring up good talking points, I think it's fair to discuss it. Jared, I know that we're going to talk about Bill Barnwell's uh, ranking of uh, weapons or what, I don't know what he titles that. Does he, does he call them weapons or, or skill Is positions? Specialist. Or? Uh, he just says, yeah, he just actually lists them all out. Wide receiver, tight end, running back rankings. Okay. So he does them all together. Wasn't there recently also a duos ranking? 
Yep. Who came Pro out? Football Focus put out a duos ranking, and man, it made me sad for the fact that there are no good two tight end teams in the NFL because the Browns somehow won out on that one. They they actually won that. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, if any of the uh, groupings from the Browns made it, and I think the guards would be the obvious yep. choice. Yep, sure, last year it would have been Kareem and Nick, but yep. this year, so the tight end, they, they gave them the two best tight ends, huh? Yeah, they basically said, you know, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey and, you know, all the really good tight ends are, they have nobody with them. Njoku's, you know, seven, eight, nine, somewhere in that range. And then Aikens, you know, pulling up that almost 500 yard season brings him kind of, you combine the two and all of a sudden you have the two best. I was wondering, yeah, obviously, Batonio and Teller are the top guard tandem. I was wondering if Miles and Zadarius or Miles and, and Double O, maybe if they would have got some some energy there for from edge rusher. Um, but there are definitely some better groupings out there for that. The one I would have thought in tight ends that would have given them hell is the Buffalo tandem of Dawson Knox and Dalton Risner. Risner? Risner? Yeah, I'm not sure he gave No, sorry, gave a Dalton lot of... Kincaid. I'm an idiot. Dalton Kincaid. Yeah, I'm not sure they give a lot of credit to the rookies yet. Oh. So um, since they haven't performed yet. Got it. Okay. Well, yeah, that's uh, we'll take it. We'll take it where we can get it. Now we're going to talk about uh, Barnwell's uh, skill position groups. You you said that he has them 12th overall. Who's kind of like run through the top 12 real quick and we'll see if anything seems misplaced. So uh, interestingly, a couple that aren't in the list, Kansas City Chiefs, Buffalo Bills are not in the top 12. Number this doesn't one, include quarterback, right? Does not include quarterbacks, exactly. So yeah. um, they all kind of stand out to me in different ways. San Francisco 49ers are number one. Interesting. I like it. Ayuk, McCaffrey, Debo, Kittle. Yep. Yeah, it makes sense. I, yep. I can I could agree with that. And then number two, the Bengals. We know how great their skill position are. No big deal. Eagles, uh, number three. I think if you add in offensive line and quarterback you're you may be ranking their offense as a whole number one yeah Dallas Goddard's underrated as a tight end and obviously you know AJ Brown and the the Slim Reaper is a is a kind of a potent uh one-two punch of wide receiver Mm -hmm. Seattle same thing uh you're talking about obviously Lockett and DK Metcalf uh and I'm really excited to see JSN with that group um and then there's uh, still they still have no fan at tight end right I believe they so. still have Noah Fanek tight end. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. No they, complaints they so far. Yeah. Number five chargers. I don't think yeah. Austin Eckler's that great of a running back, but he's good. Um, and then obviously Keenan Allen's Mike Williams, Quentin Johnston. Uh, they've got some guys there. Um, and then I'm trying to think of their tight end. It, it's just not on uh, his list. Gerald Everett, I believe. Gerald Everett. Title. And they brought yep. back Donald Parham, the gigantic Oh, yeah. Red zone threat guy. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. Number five, number six. Here's where I start to have issues. Number six, Minnesota Vikings. They're really he's really putting a lot of uh, weight into Justin Jefferson and kind of TJ Hawkinson. Right. Hawkinson come over from the Lions in a trade. He did perform much better when he came over. Absolutely. uh, Minnesota. But after they don't have Dalvin Cook anymore, they don't have Adam Thielen. So it's really Jefferson, Hawkinson, whatever Jordan Addison can give you. Yeah. KJ Osborne is is kind of their other guy. And then Matson as a as a running back, he's had a good season over seasons overall, but he's never really carried the load. So that was the first one that kind of stuck out to me. Like, yeah, wow, that's a little too high. Probably that's a lot of weight on Justin Jefferson, I think. 
Absolutely. Dallas Cowboys, uh, CeeDee Lamb gets obviously a lot of that, um, but Brandon Cooks, uh, Michael Gallup now coming back second year from his ACL, Cedric Wilson. Um, yeah, I don't think. Yeah. And then the, Tony Pollard, okay. Like that's good, but no real tight ends to, to speak of, no real backups. Um, so again, you're you're putting a lot of weight on kind of the the wide receivers and Tony Pollard, really two wide receivers. And they lost um, they lost uh Schultz. Yeah, yep. that's that one. I really don't see that one either. Yep. And they were ranked, I think part of this is they were ranked last year. Um I'm sorry, last year they were eleventh. 2021 they were second so it's interesting they're, they're they went up after last year after losing zeke and schultz doesn't totally make sense to me yeah. um dolphin what i get but the schultz one he's a fine tight end he's gonna yeah, be good absolutely. for houston uh dolphins coming at eight tyree kill jalen waddle uh they lost kaseki um hopefully they get something out of for my fantasy reasons hopefully they get something <laughs> out of durham spythe um i'll say this if you're ranking like star power i really don't know how you can have Miami behind the other two. I mean, no. Jacecki didn't do much for them. If you go watch, like he was just sort of out there. Right. He, he was a he, good tight end before McDaniel got yes. there. Yeah. But not now. And their running back is kind of running back by committee, right? And it's, they're all fine. It's Jeff Jeff Wilson, right? And then yeah, Mostert. Brita. And then they drafted Devin Achen. Uh Devon Achain. That's A-Chain. a tricky one. That's a really tricky one. I think he's going to be really good. Yeah, I would put Miami above both of those. Yeah, That's and then if they sign Dalvin Cook, which feels like it's rumored. Yeah, um, that would help. Yep. And then Nine. I think the Browns would start to get interested on whoever they let go. Mm-hmm. from that Yeah, region. whatever speedy dude they let go would be a yeah. perfect fit. Nine is the Jaguars. Makes sense. Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, ETN, um, yeah. and then Ridley, Ridley, who you yep. traded to me in fantasy football. Let's make sure we throw those in a few times. Um, well, let's think, elaborate on who came back for that offer. Oh yeah. Uh, that Tyree Hill guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was a, who, who, so we did Diggs and Hill and then, um, you, I think you sent cooks and, yeah. and, and, uh, Tyree and you sent Hill. Ridley. Yep. And then and, you sent cooks off to another deal. And then just I so sent every, cooks off to get Debo. So yeah, just, just, you know, I just want everyone to know that I'm, I'm okay at this. Yeah. He's, yeah. Listen, it's been a fun dynasty league. We just completed a four-team, seventeen-player, six-draft pick trade. It's crazy. Wild. I still uh, don't know why Neil did that, but that's okay. We'll, we will digress. Yep. Uh, last two before the Browns. Both are interesting for different reasons. Number ten is the Atlanta Falcons, which it's Man, hard to argue. Uh, Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier are a really good one-two punch in the backfield. Algier had a thousand yards rushing last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robinson was the top running back picked in the top 10 uh then you have drake london cordero patterson at wide receiver and kyle pitts at tight end i think it's a great set of offensive weapons and what are you going to get at quarterback is really all that matters there yeah which is uh which is a fair question yep um but as far as young weapons go as far as building out like we'll take one wide receiver one tight end and one running back they are they're at the top of the list, man. So I'm 100%. very interested. I mean, I have Drake London uh, and Bijan uh, in Dynasty League as well because I, I, I'm just saying that because I believe in those guys. Like, yeah, I really absolutely. think they're going to be special. Yeah. And that's also how you've really built a good win now and win for a while kind of roster. So I Hopefully. think it's going to work out really well for you. We'll, we'll see how that goes. The, the final team before the Browns that I also disagree with along with kind of the Vikings, Cowboys, and some of the other ones, 
is the Las Vegas Raiders. Basically, they have Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs. That's really about all they got going on on their offense. Hunter Renfro had a good season in 2021. Um, Jacoby Myers did nothing with the Patriots. Darren Waller is gone. They've added Austin Hooper. We know what that is. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they got Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame, who I think is going to be a good player. Just not sure you can top 11 on Josh Jacobs and Davante Adams, no matter how good both of those guys are. Yeah, I would I would put them they're in the the ballpark here, but and you try to not do feeling like you're being a homer, but I, I feel like the Browns weapons run a little deeper here. So, you know. Well, and even number thirteen is the the Steelers. Like they're a group that I really like. Uh, you know, Deontay Johnson and, and Pickens and um, you know, and I Fryermuth. Fryermuth, uh Najee Harris. You know, I like their weapons at the same level as the Browns, maybe even a little bit of above. Uh, obviously, I don't like their quarterback as much, but definitely better than the Raiders. So, you know, I just think it's really interesting. Uh, obviously, Barnwell is an analytics guy, so he's looking at spe- specific pieces of data that he thinks is interesting. He does a whole review of it at the beginning. It is what it is. Um, what did he, he specifically say about the Browns? Um, he basically said they have no depth behind uh, Nick Chubb, but Nick Chubb is the number one running back in the NFL uh, and has been Smart uh, over the last few years. It's not even really close. Um, that their investments in Cooper and Joku were good investments, uh, which many Browns fans would uh, not say, but he talked about um, yards uh, per route run for both of those being uh, up there, uh, comparable to others around them. And then he just talked a little bit about Donovan Peoples-Jones, probably not going to be able to keep him after this year because they've basically paid every other position on the offense. Um, And then, you know, Elijah Moore, Cedric Tillman, Somehow Anthony Schwartz's name got brought up and David Bell. So he really just said they need one of those young wideouts uh, out of Moore, Tillman, Schwartz, and Bell to really have kind of a breakout year to go along with Cooper and Joku and DPJ. Sounds fair. I think the Browns could be a little bit higher. I think they're right on the cusp of top 10. I think the order of some of that six through whatever is a bit questionable uh, to say the least, but I feel like the Browns are in at least a relatively close spot to where they should be. So, yeah, top 10 skill unit around uh, your quarterback that you expect him to start to elevate some of them, right, Jared? I think that's that's kind of where you want to be. And if you get Elijah Moore to become the player you think he can become and Cooper continues to have a good year and David continues to arrow upward and Nick stays healthy, you can see it finishing. As, I mean, it has top five potential. Yep. It also has, you know, around the 20th, best potential too so you you know there's both in the spectrum there but that's why i think that 12 probably feels about right yeah i mean in the end you can't do what he did right because a bad offensive line is going to make nick chubb look way worse Mm -hmm. if deshaun watson is not performing it doesn't matter how his wide receivers work you know i always go back to Deion branch when tom brady made him a ton of money um and he signed with seattle as a free agent well, he never looked that good again, right? So you, you can't kind of separate out a wide receiver from his quarterback. You can't separate a, a running back from an offensive line, and you can't separate the whole thing from the offensive coordinator, in this case, Kevin Stefanski, also the head coach. Like, it all goes together. If Deshaun Watson is Houston Deshaun Watson, Donovan Peoples-Jones is signing a gargantuan contract this offseason for some other team, and Elijah Moore, they're trying to lock up into some kind of extension, and Cedric Tillman – 
you know, is, is said to be the next great number two wide receiver in the league, right? Like that's how that goes. If Deshaun Watson is great, if he's not basically reverse everything I just said. Yeah. Well, it's always a realm of possibility here. And that's what a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of pundits seem to think is uh, still very much in at play here. So, you know, we got to keep both ends of the optimism spectrum wide open uh, here because it's what you do. And you've got to be fair. So, all right, cool. Let's take a break. And then we have one more topic to hit on uh, after the break that I think is pretty interesting as well. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. So Jared just referenced Bill Barnwell's thought process of Nick Chubb being the best running back in the NFL for three years. And I think that's beyond fair. He's a special player, but I think everybody would agree. The, the tier to unlock here is sort of his third down ability Uh, and third down ability. You know, it it certainly links to, uh, you know, catching the football out of the backfield. And it certainly links to pass protection. He's had moments where pass protection has been strong. He's had some moments of weakness. I think as we sit right now, he is you know pretty clear to me. He's going to be on the field in third downs and, beyond just catching the ball on third downs, it seems like he might, you could, you could predict, right. That he could be a bigger part of the passing game as well. And I think that's what you're going to talk about here. Right. And we should probably analyze a little bit. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Mary Kay uh, Cabot from Cleveland.com. She brought up, uh, she had a question asked to her in her mailbag about kind of Chubb's usage. And I think it was interesting. 
She said the Browns recognize that he's a huge part of the offense and that's not changing anytime soon, which I think is one of Browns fans kind of fear is you have the best running back in the game. The whole winter weather thing, I think you and I probably agree is not as big of a deal as people make it out to be. It's overblown. Yeah, but it's interesting at the end of her answer to that question, she says, and I quote, in addition, Chubb will be used more as a receiver out of the backfield. So his touches might evolve, but he'll get them. Basically saying, end quote, basically saying that he may not have as many carries, but he may have the same amount of touches, which I think will be really interesting. Like you said, pass protection, um, all of that. But, you know, you are you are the film guy. Obviously, that's the name of this podcast. When you look at Chubb as a receiver, we don't have a lot of reps to look at, but just kind of your general takeaway of him as a receiver, because I don't feel like I have one, to be very honest with you. I, I don't think there are times, I can't think of many times where I've watched him trying to catch the football and been like, this guy can't do it. Like He just, he can't do it. Now, is he like a natural uh, elite route runner out of the backfield? No, he's not. And he's certainly not, a, you know, he's not going to, it's not going to wow you with stuff he does when split out, when they motion a back out of the backfield and stuff, but he'll run what you ask him to run. And if he's open by a product of zone defense, allowing his route to be open, he tends to catch the football. I, I mean, I don't, I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not certainly not saying he's good. I think he's just sort of an average pass catcher. And I don't, I don't think you're probably like me here where I, I can't think of many times where he's been given a ball, an opportunity to catch a ball and he's just like dropped it. And it's been blatantly awful. Right. I, I don't, I don't, at least again, I'm, I'm sort of trying to just remember offhand here, but right. I don't have any recollection of that, but I also don't remember him being challenged in a uniquely difficult way. He, he's had like a couple downfield throws. I remember one busted coverage, uh, empty ball. He caught up the sideline in like 2021. That was like a chunk catch, but not a ton of, uh, of evidence here. So there'll be some study that goes on this year with it. I, I looked up last year. So Kareem had 35 catches for 210. Nick had 27 for 239. So you combine those, obviously you're talking about like 62 catches out of the backfield. Can Nick have a 50 catch season out of the backfield? Can he have a 45 catch season out of the backfield? I mean, if if we're thinking the snap share, this is a conversation I had with Andrew earlier this week where, you know, Nick had like 304 carries last year, I think was his number 302. So you look at that and you're like, well, no way he's going to have that many this year, right? Because the offense is evolving. They want Deshaun to throw more. And I'm like, you know, kind of like, wait a second. Well, if you if you look at this situation, last year Kareem ran it 123 times. Do you think they're giving Jerome Ford 123 carries? Hmm. I I, I no. don't know, man. I mean, like they're on the – this is kind of a big year for Nick's contract and his, his sort of NFL prime. I think they're going to finally put their chips in the like all in and use him a lot. So I expect his snap share to go up. And, and while I don't think they're going to run the ball, you know, maybe between their top two running backs, I don't expect them to run it. What's the number here? 200. So it'd be like 425 times between Nick and Kareem last year. I don't think that number is going to be higher. If it's like 390. Right. Couldn't you still see 300 of those carries going to Nick? That's what it's kind of what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I don't think they're going to run as much as they did last year, but I also think Nick's snap share could be higher. So as a byproduct of that, like I still think he's going to be a similar number in terms of what he does as a runner. Now, the, I think the, the natural thing here, too, is if he's on the field more and they're going to throw while he's on the field more, he probably is looking at, you know, I don't know. Let me see here. He had 
from a target number last year, 37 targets. So there were between the two of them, something like 70, 76, no, something like 80, 82 targets between the two of them. Is Nick going to get 60 of those? I, I think that's the big question is how, how big are they going to lean into Jerome Ford? Because I think it's going to be less than Kareem for obvious reasons, because he's not quite there yet. And he doesn't probably have the trust of the group yet. And if that's the case, I still think Nick gets a good amount of snaps more than he's accustomed to. And then, you know, maybe the numbers with the, with the rushing stay the same and the receiving spike up a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think it'll be interesting because I know it's not the same position, but at some level with the flexibility they want to have with some five wides and stuff, you know, at some, you're talking Jerome Ford or Elijah Moore, Marquise Goodwin, right? So all of a sudden it's not the same position, but if you want the five best guys on the field and you don't have Nick Chubb on the field, do you just spread it out? Do you have more in the backfield, which we've seen some, whether that was in mini camp or OTAs or whatever it was, I think there's, there's other pieces of that conversation. I'm really interested to see Chubb as a receiver. I think the thing that I remember the most is a couple swing passes where I don't know if he's ready to adjust to a football. So he's going to catch the ball, but I'm not sure he's ready to adjust to a ball thrown at his feet. I, I remember a couple that he just could not make kind of that catch adjusting while kind of moving forward, those kind of things. So that's really the biggest question I have for him as a receiver. But overall, I think you're exactly right. Again, we can mention fantasy football. I think he's a player you want. He's going to be used a lot. I think the Browns look at his contract and say, we're paying him. Let's let's use him. Yeah. And at some point in time, listen, this, this sucks to say, but at some point in time, Nick Chubb will not be the Browns starting running back. He will probably not be on the team. And that point in time is two, three, or four years away, right? Like you're not talking five, six, seven, eight, nine. So go ahead and use them, right? Use them in the way that that works, but also allows him to stay fresh by having more four and five receivers or, or tight ends, those kind of things. So I think it's going to be fun to watch and fun to really track when we do snap counts on Monday morning. Yeah, there will be uh, – it's one of the few subplots of Nick. Like, we know who he's going to be as a runner. we got a, a good feel for that. This this <laughs> – can he awesome. evolve as a yeah? Can he evolve as a as a pass catcher, which is a huge development in his production spiking? Because you know if you if you if you hear a lot of people talk about Nick Chubb, unfortunately the fantasy landscape dominates way too much of mainstream thought process about who players are in general. So like you talk about people love Nick, but they're like they don't put him at the. And you'll see these graphics where Nick's at like number five, but you're like, oh okay, they did this because this is a fantasy guy, right? Like, and they've always been a little hesitant on Nick because Kareem was there and Kareem eats into the production. And like, it's, it's an all in Nick Chubb season as, as much as we've ever seen, largely because, you know, there's multiple factors. He's finally getting paid. The, the, the money that he agreed in his contract to get is actually kicking in. So his cap hit is chunky. He's in his prime and they've done a good job of sort of salvaging that situation, like mm-hmm. not overworking him when they could have uh, to, to, to the chagrin of a lot of people, because, People love to bitch about that, but they've they've not burnt him up in meaningless football. So they've done a good job there. But it's like, okay, he's getting paid big money. He should use that big money player. And it's as all in as we've ever been and are probably ever going to be. Right. So it's like a it's the perfect middle of of all these things for for Nick to have a really big season. And now I regret trading him. So um 
here we are. This is pretty much just a fantasy football podcast is all this really was, just, just for the record. So. Anyway, this was fun, Jared. I, I mean, you know, we could go on and on about Nick, but I think the subplots we've nailed. Like, it's how does he handle blocking duties all the time? Is Are they comfortable letting him do that? Yep. You know, how comfortable are they throwing him the football? And non-schemed up things, right? Screen game, that sort of stuff. Uh, where they give him chances to just run like Texas routes and swings and flats and a whole bunch of different stuff and, and actually give him chances. And then how much do they believe in Jerome Ford right away? Because we still have no evidence that they're going to go get another back. And until can we you see imagine, that. Can you imagine yeah. being a linebacker, especially some of the smaller ones, and and Chubb comes on a, an angle or Texas route with a full head of steam and a just a perfectly placed pass? Like that okay. does not sound like fun for whoever is in front of him in probably a zone type coverage. Like that doesn't sound fun at all. It's also going to be really fun for the the Browns offense to have a good runner on the field with all those weapons and some kind of wide out scheme. Yeah. It's really exciting. Uh, they, he's got to prove it, but it's exciting. Did Nick have a really great catch his rookie year or second year against the Bengals? Now that I'm thinking about it, like the left sideline in the end zone, I have to look that up. Someone's going to be your brain works. That. Not mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure he had some ridiculous catch as as a younger player. Maybe like his first year, I guess it could have been his first year, but he was so handcuffed his first year. As we recall, it probably wasn't. It's was probably year two. So I'll look that up. And, and some of you might already remember this off the top of your head. But I feel like there was one really impressive catch he had over top of a defender. Hmm. Uh, and it was in Cincinnati, I think. So again, I could be wrong. I'm a known idiot. We'll see what happens. Anyway, appreciate <laughs> you being here, Jared. You know, I love talking to you, man. Absolutely, brother. It's good to talk to you. All right, guys, that's a wrap for today. Continue to check out the OBR. It's Defensive Tackle Week with some other stuff sprinkled in, so continue to check that out. A lot of fun stuff going on. Uh, I think we're only going to have one live Twitch show this week on Thursday as we are maximizing our off-season uh, time to be with our families as well. So we appreciate you guys uh, understanding that. So like I said, check the OBR. Continue to check out Jared's work at Dogs by Nature. They're doing a great job over there as well. Thanks to Jared for being here, for me, for him. We appreciate you. Have a fantastic Tuesday. Go Browns. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.